Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations around the country in the areas of board excellence, strategy, and organizational development. I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast. Um, and, and this is one that I think is, is going, people are going to find particularly timely. Um, there is a lot going on in the country, in your communities, in my community lately. Um, and I want to talk uh, about a sentiment that I hear expressed from nonprofit leaders frequently right now. And I want to give voice to it. It's, uh, it's the sentiment of how to, how to act, how to achieve when it feels like you are being asked to manage everything, when there are so many things on your plate um, that it can be difficult to prioritize. It can be difficult to even figure out where is square one and how do we get started. Uh, and to help us in that conversation today, I want to welcome our guest, uh, Kishana Palmer. Uh, Kishana is the founder of the Rooted Collaborative. Uh, Kishana, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Greg. Thank you for having me today. I'm so glad to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you join us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and then um, the work that you're doing through the Rooted Collaborative. Absolutely. So um, when I am not out scaling tall buildings, <laughs> um, I am a 18-year uh, career fundraiser and marketer, having spent most of my time um, working for national nonprofits as a chief development officer, chief advancement officer, chief external affairs. And so most of my career, believe it or not, was spent in the C-suite. And so I have a little bit of a different vantage point about how to look at organizational growth and development, um, particularly through the lens of marketing, communications, fundraising, and policy. Um, and about five years ago, I decided I'm going out on my own for real this time, y'all, <laughs> and uh, went out to uh, relaunch Kashana & Co., which is a management and leadership learning company where we spend most of our time working with organizations, leadership on how to bring authentic leadership into their organizations and how to do the sometimes boring but hard work of really managing people day to day um, nested in an equity lens. And I started the Rooted Collaborative, which is a global community for women of color in fundraising and in the social sector, because for many of us, it is a lonely, lonely world out there. And I think whether you are identify as a black indigenous or woman of color, um, or you are one of our allies, like any fundraiser will tell you at any point in their career, it is lonely out there, you know? And so it's interesting. It's interesting that you use that word lonely. Um, yeah. I, I do a lot of coaching of nonprofit executives. Um, I've been a nonprofit executive. And that word lonely comes up more than any other word um, that, I, that I hear when it comes to nonprofit leadership. What do you attribute that to? I attribute that actually to a couple things, to fear and to shame. And if I go a little bit deeper, like we don't want to be found out. So loneliness to me is around that sort of isolation. Sometimes it's self-isolating where we literally are like, you know, I got to just hunker down and get this done. Greg, you know, you've been there where you're like, let me just let me just sit up here and figure it out and just do what I need to do. And I'm just going to stay up and get it done because I know by the time I hand it off to fill in the blank, I have to explain it five times. And So you just, you literally get into your zone and you end up piling more things onto your plate. And so you, by in essence of doing that, you isolate yourself from folks who might be able to help you. So that delegation bridge, you basically put the drawbridge up. Right. And then I think the shame part comes in a lot of time because we don't, particularly if you're in the leadership seat, you don't want to share 
with folks what you don't know because you might be dealing with like, do I belong in this seat? Or people are going to know, I don't know, fill in the blank or whatever other insecurities might be bubbling up or on the opposite end, you might be suffering from overconfidence, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you don't want folks to know like, Hey, maybe I don't have it all together. And so those two things, I think in sort of the umbrella state really shield us from our ability to connect with others and reach out and get the support that we need. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think that loneliness comes from feeling like you're on an island, right? Mm-hmm. When, when I, I remember, you know, back when I was in that seat and search, certainly coaching others, um, there's a sense of who can I talk to? You know, it, I, I can't really talk to my board about what I don't know or what I don't understand because what are they going to think of me? And I don't really want to have that conversation with my staff because then they may think that, um, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah. it can be a, it can be a little bit of a sense of who can I talk to? Who are my, who are my peers out there? Absolutely. And I remember saying to a client last week, oh, just pick up the phone and call the chief development officer who is down the street at a different, similar organization and just ask them to walk you through their plan. Right. And he, she was like, what? And I said, yeah, send a note, say, hey, we live about 20 minutes away from each other. We can't really meet up right now. I'd love to jump on the phone. Um, I'm having a challenge with this thing right here. And I, from what it seems on social media, y'all are doing a great job at that. Can we chat about it? Right. And I remember her getting a note at the end of the week and she said, Kashana, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> they were like, absolutely. I would love to talk to somebody who is not in my organization right now. Like I am craving that camaraderie, you know? And I think we just don't, we don't realize that we can put ourselves out there, which is sort of ironic because when you're a leader in an organization, particularly when you are advocating for your mission or you're advocating for your team, you are, or you're raising money, you're putting yourself out there all the time. Right. Right. And I think that it's, um, it's a different way of putting yourself out there. I have facilitated groups, um, CEO roundtables and peer mm-hmm. support groups and, and learning circles and things like that. And there's almost an exhaling that takes place when there's trust in the room or when yep. you have executives or you have development officers um, who are among peers and feel that level of trust where they can open up to one another mm-hmm. there's all you can almost sense the 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 mood in the room change mm-hmm. and tailing of um i can say what's on my mind without fear of how is the other person going to interpret um the challenge that i'm dealing with right now Absolutely. It's almost palpable, right? And you know, I, remember, I remember in my, when I first realized that like, I know how to train and I'm a good trainer, but boy, when you step into that role as a facilitator, yes, you know, and, and for those of us who are empaths, I, I don't think I'm quite in the, all the way into the true empath, but like for those of us who like absorb energy, you feel like as they're exhaling, Greg, you know, you're pulling all that in and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do I do with all this stuff? Because yes. literally, folks have been hanging on to years of stress and anxiety and just like the weight of the the micro and the macro decisions that have to be made, sometimes hundreds in a day. And and you know, as as a facilitator, as a consultant, you also see it with conflict. Yeah. You are working with a group and there is underlying conflict or there's an elephant in the room Boy, as the facilitator and the consultant, you can you can feel it, even if they don't it. acknowledge it or even if they don't realize it. Um, boy, it, it can hit you like a ton of bricks. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that a lot of times um, when we get into this role of leadership, and I think a lot of us think of leadership as positional power. And so you can be a leader and not have the title that might lend itself to you being a leader within your organization, but you can wield a lot of influence. And there is a sense of whether you wield position by power or you wield that sort of power by influence that you're carrying a lot of weight. Right. Um, and everybody is not designed to do that. Like some of us are really built that way. Some of us are not. And so I think one, the third thing beyond that sort of fear and shame that I think comes out to that isolation is not understanding how you show up in the world right. because you have sort of been on a version of autopilot as a professional for a really long time. It's hard to have that self-awareness. I think that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the other conversation that sometimes we have with ourselves in our, in our own head. Um, you know, I, we, we talked around this a little bit, but, um, you know, nonprofit executives and development officers and others in position of leadership are always feeling as though they have more to manage than they have resources to execute, right? Um, and I, I think that that's magnified as we're certainly in the middle of a global pandemic. We're in the mm -hmm. middle of, as a country, um, trying to understand more about the racial injustices that we've all seen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that has magnified and has led to a lot of nonprofit leaders feeling as though they have so much to manage that they don't know where to go first. So how do you, how do you think through those issues or how do you counsel nonprofit leaders who may be feeling that way? I try to simplify in my thinking into sort of like, I always have a rubric in my mind. So in this, in this regard, it's like, what must I keep? Yes. What must I keep, but do differently? Mm -hmm. What might be new that I should consider? And what am I not keeping period? Right. And I do that exercise and I will have my staff do that exercise independently and then we come together for a conversation. And notice I'm not saying I'm coming together to make decisions yet, because sometimes you're going to be the one with decision-making rights as the leader. And sometimes you're going to delegate that to your staff and you'll have veto rights as right. a leader. But when I think about what I'm keeping, what I'm doing differently that I might be keeping, what might be new that I've got to consider, and what has got to go, you would be really surprised at how your priorities show up in those buckets. Because notice, I didn't say what's high priority, what's middle priority. I'm not asking you to make these sort of subjective prioritizations, particularly when there is conflict, when there is high stress. You know, we're dealing in a time, particularly in the US right now, where not only have we been smacked two ways to Sunday by a global pandemic, but we are being confronted yet again with systemic racism and with killings and with the outpouring and outgrowth of what that means in communities. It is live and in technicolor in your face. And so it's creeping into our organizations, not that it wasn't there before, but now folks are not coming to work silent about how they're feeling and they don't want you as their teammate to be silent about what you're seeing. And so I think it allows us, instead of going on what's urgent, what's important, what's medium prior, what's low, to really think about the work critically about what you need to keep, what you need to consider, what might be new, 
and what you're not what you're not doing anymore and ask your team to really jump into that exercise for themselves because i bet you my bottom dollar that you're going to see some good overlap and you're going to be surprised as a leader about what matters to your team i, I love that i love the rubric itself um i also love the way you know, the way you in integrate your team into doing that as well. So I, a couple of things I want to follow up on that you mentioned sure. um, from the rubric itself. Um, I love how it, it involves things to let go, things to prioritize, things to do differently, because you're right. You know, when I've seen others do it, it's been around priority and it's been around mm -hmm. what's high priority, what's medium priority. And I don't know about you, but as a nonprofit leader, I couldn't list anything as a low priority. You know, my, my pushback would be, Everything's Everything. a high priority. If it wasn't a high priority, I wouldn't be concerning myself with it, right? Absolutely. Um, and so I love the way your your approach, your rubric is more nuanced than that. It forces you to put certain things in different buckets and to think through um, things differently. I also um, would love to hear you talk more about integrating your team into that because I think yeah. that that would be really empowering for a staff. Um, particularly during times of crisis when it may feel like things are spinning out of their control, to be able to have things that are within their control or within their ability to voice um, what they're seeing on the ground. Absolutely. For me, that has been the gift of leadership to me. And what I mean by that is I felt so released from having to make every single decision all the time when I just turned to my team and said, Here's the thing I'm thinking about at night. How would you think about this? Right. And release judgment and release the need to have the answer and take myself out of the ingredients, set myself on the counter and say to my team, y'all have got to see, y'all have got the stuff for the cake. So let's talk about it and let's use this container. And that container is the rubric that I shared with you that I use now. Um, and it's just, I'm not fancy, Greg. Like I don't do fancy stuff. So even though I know all of the PhD-esque frameworks and I can espouse all the different leadership frameworks, that does not work in a crisis. People are not memorizing any of that stuff. They want to understand, what do we do next, ma'am, sir? How do we get there? And oftentimes I'll hear, and I remember this particularly when I was on team full, full time, and I'm hearing this from my clients now, their team members are looking to them for the answer. And my response is, are they though? Right. Like, did they say that for real, for real? Or is that what you believe that they're doing when they're giving you the side eye? You know, right. and so for me, bringing in the team to the conversation is first being able to say, look, y'all, this whole situation right now is a mess. And particularly if you are a white leader in your organization and you are like, uh, so this is a mess. I don't know exactly what are the right words. There are no right words because it's a mess pretty much encompasses the whole situation. It's a frightening right. mess. It's a horrifying mess. All right. of the messes. And right. you're like, great. I'm acknowledging that anything I say right now feels like stepping into landmines. And so I'm just here in the middle of the minefield with y'all. <laughs> okay. Now that we're here, what are we seeing? And how do we want to go about achieving our mission in a way that honors the time that we're in and in a way that acknowledges that we're hurting, that we're confused and that most days we're on fumes. Right. And then bringing them into the, that's a discussion. Notice that we're still not solutioning. Right. That's, that's opening the door for conversation right. 
it doesn't make the awkward conversations of like, how are you feeling? I want us to be able to process how we're feeling. I don't want to tell you how I'm feeling. Right. Or there's always the one person who wants to, who wants to tell you all the feelings. Yeah, okay? they want to tell you every feeling. Um, but it does open up the conversation to share what's on your heart and on your mind. But also for those of us who don't want to go that far into the personal and they don't want to to bear to lay bare what they hold close to them in terms of how they protect their personal space, it still gives them space to be able to really share their expertise and their lived experience before you get to the decision-making portion of the program. So to me, I call that a really bountiful pause. And it's a shared power moment. Mm -hmm. It it is a, it's an opportunity for, you know, even the leader who may be feeling the weight of the world on his or her shoulders to share some of that, to share some of that um, burden, to share some of that responsibility and to share some of that opportunity as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll use COVID um, as a really clear experience uh, um, example. There are a lot of organizations that, let's just call it what it is, they were just fussing around, as my mom would say. Okay. Love y'all mission. You're doing good work in the world. You know your operations weren't together. You knew y'all weren't having some practices internally that were really on up and up. Come on now. Y'all were raggedy. <laughs> and what it revealed when we were forced to go to our homes is that we did not have infrastructures that were clean enough to be able to make a transition right to working virtually all the time and it revealed the ways in which organizations um i think sort of catered to what they believe their funders are asking of them to be lean and mean the number of times i've heard a leader say we're just a lean and mean team we're doing it with the least we can why why are you proud of that now you're going to try to have even less resources available to your team to do even more complicated work. That doesn't make any sense. And you're wondering why folks are stressed and pulling their hair out. Then add unrest on top of that. And you've got yourself a heck of a cocktail. Right. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Another word that you use that I want to follow up on is authenticity. Yeah. I I think that it is so critical uh, in all times, but particularly in times of crisis Um, for leaders to show up authentically. Whoever they are, whatever their leadership style and communication style is, has to be genuine, has to be authentic in those moments. Um, Any any ways of of speaking about that that you that you particularly enjoy with nonprofit leaders? Absolutely. So for me, you know, what you see is what you get with me, you know, and it took me a long time to get there. I, you know, one of the things I think about a lot is in coming into my professional life, um, I was taught, at, at coming from the banking world, I was taught that I had to assimilate in a particular way. And so the language choice that I would use, diction, the way I dressed, how I carried myself, the topics I talked about, and that really like kind of came along with me, like carry-on luggage, all the way to the C-suite. And then one day I realized, I am a caricature of myself. When I get home, I literally am like disrobing to be a whole different person. So how are, how are people able to connect with me? How am I building authentic relationships? How am I getting my team to come along with me on hard and sometimes risky things? You know, we're, t- we're taking on a new campaign. We're not quite sure we have the bench yet. You know, we're growing our budget. We don't quite have the prospect pool yet. We're taking a complete turn on our branding. 
We're looking at what are we don't, you know, what our focus groups say, whatever it is. If I am not modeling that you can be your best and operate in your wheelhouse at work, then what am I doing? But for me, in this, in, and in my lived experience, I am a black woman that comes at a much higher risk as the leader, both perceived and real. And so it wasn't until I was far enough in my career, not quite at the point of your career where you're like, you know, the hell with this. I'm just going to be myself. Um, that happens for everybody. I think at a certain point in your career, <laughs> you get to a certain point and you're like, look at here, friends, I'm just going to be me. Okay. But I realized that in order for me to actually show up as the leader that I know I had inside me, I really needed to understand who I was. And so that self-awareness piece that you and I were talking about a little bit earlier in our conversation was a huge link in that chain to authenticity. You have got to know how you show up and you've got to know how you show up in every season of your life, right? Because if you are in a season of your life where you are taking care of your parent, and you have a lot of things happening at home, or you have young people in your home who are transitioning to college, you have a child with special needs, your wife or your partner has an illness, whatever, you're going to do a divorce. When your personal life shifts, your work life is going to shift, period. And so being aware of how you are showing up allows you to live in an authentic space, but also to then know what things you need to move forward and move back to share and not share, to say to your team, like, going into the details, I'll spare you. Life is a little bit different right now. So please forgive me and give me grace if I do the following things. Right. I mean, no harm. This will pass. It feels temporary to me, but I want to be honest about where I am. Come along with me. Doing that is an authentic handout as a leader to your team that you're not perfect and that they are as powerful and have agency that they can exercise to come along with you on the ride. So before we wrap up, we've talked about how, how to manage that with your staff. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of work also with nonprofit boards. Um, mm. And that can be, as you know, a different tricky. dynamic. <laughs> a messy dynamic. A messy, tricky mess. <laughs> and so I, you know, you gave us a great rubric to work through with your staff, yeah. but for nonprofit leaders who are also concerned about how to communicate this to their boards mm-hmm. um, in a way that, that is authentic, in a way that communicates um, their own leadership needs, and maybe even asks for help. Yeah. Um, what tools or resources would you suggest for leaders who are struggling maybe with their boards during this period of time? Um, definitely getting some support from consultants whose values align with the values of the organization. I think that's super important. And to know the health of your board. And health for me is where are they on their understanding of their role in board governance, on their role of their fiduciary responsibilities, on their roles as ambassadors for your organization. You've got to understand where your board is and where you need them to go. Um, I think for me, I'm a board source certified trainer, so I'm always going to talk about board source tools. I'm biased in that way, but I think any books that talk about teaming, I'm looking at my office right now, the things that I am recommending um, are Work Together Anywhere. Um, there's a virtual management book by Ben Bisbee that I love that's been really great to help me with boards um, right now, The Unashamed Guide to Virtual Management. 
Um, story driven is awesome. Um, and so books that are talking about life and storytelling and are people focused, even though they're not the sort of like, you know, uh, more rigid aspects of how to govern organizations, they help bring board members into the story and understanding their role as storytellers and ambassadors for the organization so they can stay connected to the mission without being in the weeds of how to operate the organization, which is not their job. And I think this is always important, but, you know, particularly in times of crisis, uh, you know, one of the things that I tell nonprofit leaders when it comes to their board is focus on small, actionable steps. If there are specific areas that you need a board member to help you with, specific actionable tasks, ask for those. I think sometimes the temptation, particularly for us as leaders, when we're in a period of overwhelm, is to just reach out and say, hey, board, I need help. I'm yes, drowning. I know. I, you know, <laughs> which I get and I've done. Um, but as a board member, I think leads to a, I don't know what that means. I, exactly. I don't know how to plug in to that. So I, I think the, the other thing that I would add is the benefit of really small, actionable steps and how those small steps can add up to, to, to big stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I think when people have small steps and they take baby steps and they take toddler steps and they feel like they're, they're feeling like they're winning, um, they're getting it, then they're going to be more apt to take bigger steps, to start to run, to take bigger risks. Um, And that is, that works well for everyone in the organization. And so. um, It's an energy and a momentum, I think. Absolutely. And you need that. And especially now we need that. We do. We do. So Kashana, as we, as we wrap up some, some themes I've heard from you on the podcast today um, for leaders who may be feeling that they're asked to do it all right now, yeah. uh, the importance of networks. So reach out to peers, social Absolutely. networks, um, the importance of sharing power. Um, and again, that, that rubric that you gave to us, share power, share responsibility with your staff and empower them and ask for the help you need. Anything I may have left out there? No, and be kind to yourself. I love that I mean, too. Truly, yeah. Be kind to yourself in whatever way, if that is your mental health, if that is your physical health, if that is your prayer life or your spiritual health, whatever that means to you, make space and time to take care of yourself and be kind to yourself. It's super important because your team needs you. Absolutely. Kashana, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to join thank us on the podcast. Again, this was Kashana Palmer, who's the founder of the Rooted Collaborative. Kashana, for those who are in, enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about your work or want to connect directly with you, um, how can folks get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can connect with me across all of the social media on every platform. I am at fund, F-U-N-D, diva, D-I-V-A. So that's fund, diva. Um, including Facebook. You can catch me there too, y'all. Uh, you can also look me up if you'd like on my website, and that is kashanako.com, K-I-S-H-S-H-A-N-A-C-O.com. And you can check out The Rooted Collaborative at therootedretreat.com. Kishana, thanks so much for taking the time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Me too. Thank you for having me. Again, this has been Greg Nielsen of Nielsen Training and Consulting. Um, Always encourage you to reach out directly to me. You can get me on the website at www.nielsenconsults.com or by email, gregory at nielsenconsults.com. And like Kashana, I'm active on social media also, so you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks so much, everybody, and stay well.